beg your forgiveness this morning because we don't want to hinder what your spirit has for us today. As you meet with us this morning, Lord, I pray that every word from Pastor Larry's mouth would bring life to us. It is life to us, Lord. And Father, we just, we just want to seek your face. We don't want a Santa Claus Jesus, Lord. We want you. And we just thank you for who you are. We praise you. Hungry I come to you, for I know you satisfy. Sorry, not that I don't want to see you, but <laughs> I don't want to see you right now. <laughs> Pray. Broken, I come to you for
Let me 
also want to pray for Sue, Lord. We just, we thank you that her recovery is continuing and she is, her spirits are better and you are allowing her body to heal itself. And we know, Lord, that it's going to be a long, <clears throat> a long road, but we pray that you will strengthen her arms and her shoulders and these, these breaks, they will heal completely. And we thank you for it. Lord, there may be other needs throughout this group of people today and we just bring them to you in, a, in an unspoken way. You know what they are. You are omniscient. You are all-knowing. And Lord, we just ask you to meet each and every need. And now as we give into your kingdom, Lord, we ask you to bless our tithes and our offerings and our gifts. Bless them and use them for the expansion of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. As you can see from um, from the front of the church, we're we're going to take communion today. 
I thought it would be a great way to end the year. And uh, I didn't have the, and I didn't have the courage, <laughs> I didn't have the courage to take that apart. Um, so I, I set it up on a different table. That's our communion table, but it looked so beautiful. I didn't want to, I didn't want to invade that you know, yesterday. So, but we're going to be we're going to be taking communion, and so I'd like to direct our attention. I, I've been doing in a in my in my own personal life. I I've been doing a um, a lot of reading and studying about the cross um, because I believe that the cross is um, is is the absolute center of Christianity. Um, there is um, um, obviously with the cross comes the resurrection, but the but the cross is the center of Christianity. Um, and so if we if we don't understand the cross or we, or we minimize the cross or we, or we think that other things are more important than the cross, then our, our gospel and our religion and yes, even our Christianity is not the, the religion and the Christianity of Jesus because Jesus himself made his death the center of his mission on earth. So if we... Uh, if we do anything less than make it the center of, of our, our relationship with him, our, uh, our idea of what Christianity is, our idea of what our relationship with him is, if we take the cross out of the center, we, uh, we, we miss it. We just, we just literally miss it. And so uh, this morning I want to I talk to you about, about what we're about to do. Um, Oftentimes when we come together and we have communion, we, um, we do something else, and, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that, we, but we do something else, we talk about something else, and then we come together and we, and we quote a few words from particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we, we quote Paul's, um, and I included that in here this morning, I, I, I did, because Paul gives us, uh, uh, along with the, the gospel writers, he gives us the significant words that Jesus spoke, um, and and uh, and sometimes we hear them so often that they they just kind of go by us. We we go, oh, okay, all right. Well, now we're going to get now we're going to eat the bread and we're going to drink uh, of the cup, and and the significance of those words um, goes by us. And so I I wanted us to I wanted us to look at that today because this is this is really. This is powerful stuff. It, it, it's, it's just powerful. And, and if, we, if we don't have an understanding of it, uh, we, are, we are in a lesser position than when we, when we do and we make it important. So I want to set the stage for us this morning. I want, um, we, are, we are in the upper room. Jesus has said to his disciples, <coughs> the Passover is coming. Uh, I want you to... Uh, I want you to go into town. You'll find this guy. He'll tell you, he'll give you an upper room. It'll be completely furnished. And that's where you and I, uh, all of us, are going to celebrate the Passover together. And so that's, that's the initial scenario. And so, um, I, I do this every time. I forget to turn it on. Okay. It was just before the Passover feast. We're in John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew... This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I won't have time to explain it to you, but, but this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 
It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Okay. I did not put every verse that was in there. Um, If you want to read that further, you can turn, when you get home, you can read the whole story in John chapter 13. Jesus had a conversation with Peter, and the the conversation continued on. But the but the high point here is that Jesus, Jesus was showing his disciples what, what true sacrificial love really was. True sacrificial love will, will result, it will result in humble service. True sacrificial love will manifest itself in humble service, okay? Um, I've said this to you before. Uh, The idea of of serving the Lord in, in, in some way, some capacity, the desire to serve God comes from the love of God that you have in your heart. If... If, you, if, you're, if the love that you have for God is less than loving Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as the Bible says the greatest commandment is, if your love is less than that, you will have a problem serving. You will have a problem giving yourself in service to serve other people or to, to do something in, within the body of Christ, whether it would be something as, as simple as helping to take the offering, or as simple as, wait for it, setting up chairs at a concert. No, my, my point here is, is that our love for God, our, the sacrificial love will always manifest itself in humble service. Nothing will be too menial. Nothing will be too insignificant because it is done out of sacrificial love. Jesus goes on to teach his disciples a number of other things. If you read chapter, the rest of chapter 13 and chapter 14 and chapter 15 and chapter 16 and chapter 17, they are filled with the, with the last words of Jesus. Jesus talks about the fact that this sacrificial love that is so important is the very thing that will identify us as God's people. Jesus said, 
you will be known by your love for each other. And of course, that love for each other will then spill out onto others around you. That's what, that's what causes us to love other people. And he said, your very identity as a Christian, as one of my followers, is going to be, you're going to love each other. And he goes on to talk about the comforter coming, and he goes on to talk about how he's going to be leaving, and then he's going to come back, and he's going to take us to a place he's prepared for us. And he, he just kind of, he, he just expresses himself as a, as a bridegroom coming back for a bride. And then in the middle of, he goes back to his place, and he, he sits down, or he lies down, because they, they would lie down to eat, they would recline to eat. And after he lies back down and he talks to them about this, now the, the Gospel of John doesn't, doesn't uh, give us this narrative. The other three Gospels give us this narrative. And so in Matthew chapter 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he took bread, gave thanks, and, and he, in Luke, Luke adds another part to this. He adds some words to it. He, he finishes out the sentence and says, and he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also says, then he, Matthew says, then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In 1 Corinthians 11, we referred to it earlier, Paul writes these words. He says, I received from the Lord. So this isn't something that Paul made up. This isn't something that Paul says, I heard from Peter, or I heard from John, or, or James told me this. He said, I got this from the Lord, that what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus goes on to explain his death. He explains his death. He is literally setting up for us his own memorial service. Now, most memorial services that we go to are one-time affairs, where we go and someone has a, a friend or a, a family member or, 
or uh, just an acquaintance, whatever, someone passes away. Sometimes we go out of respect for the family. If, even if we didn't know the individual, we go, but we go to the memorial service and the memorial service lasts an hour, an hour and a half or something like that. And then it's gone. It's the way that we say goodbye, the way that we get closure in many ways with the, with the passing of someone. But, but Jesus is setting up his memorial service and he's saying, this isn't a one-time deal. This is something that I want you to do forever. I want you to do it as long as you are alive, as long as the church goes on, I want you to do it. As a matter of fact, in these Gospels, he says, we're going to do this tonight. You're going to continue to do it as long as you are alive and as long as the church exists. And I'm never going to go and do it again until we're together in the kingdom of God. That's when I'll do it again. But up, from this moment on, you are going to do it and, and you're going to do it often and you're going to do it and when you do it, you're doing it in remembrance of me. You are remembering, you are showing forth my death until I come again. Now it's interesting that when Jesus sets this up, and one of the, <laughs> one of the reasons I decided to... I felt led to preach this sermon today was we just came through the holidays where we, as, as God's people and, the, and some of the world, not much of the world, but some of the world, but particularly the Christian world, we put this incredible emphasis on the birth of Jesus. It's a big celebration. It was a big celebration in my house. There was a point when... If you've ever been in my house, in my family room, you know, we had 20 people in my family room, and you couldn't see the floor for wrapping paper. At least two or three times, people were stuffing it into trash bags, and it would just get covered up again. It was a big celebration. Jesus said, say, hey guys, I want, you, I want you to celebrate my birth. He goes, no. I want you to celebrate my death. Because my death is, my birth is not the central fact. Yes, I was born of a virgin. Yes, I came into the world in miraculous way. But it is my death that is the reason I came. And I'm not telling us to stop celebrating Christmas. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to stop celebrating Christmas, that somehow that's an unchristian thing to do. But man, this is what it's all about. This is what makes us the religion of Jesus. If I may use the word, I hate the word religion, but if I must use the word religion, if we're, if we're going to be the religion of Jesus, the cross is going to be right there in front of us all the time. So he sets up his memorial service for us and said, do this. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, we need to talk about the centrality of the cross. Jesus begins by saying to his disciples, take and eat. 
this is my body. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. He was not speaking. He was not speaking of the body that was... He was not speaking of the body that he was reclining on the sofa eating. He was speaking of the body. Well, it was the same body. I understand that. But he was speaking about the body that was going to hang on the cross. He was speaking about the body that would that would hang on the cross. Peter talked about that in, his, in one of his epistles, his first epistle. He said, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his wounds we have been healed. In Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet is writing and saying, he, speaking about them, this is a messianic prophecy. He's speaking about the Messiah and he says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. He's talking about the body, the, this body of his that would hang on the cross and in that body hanging on the cross would be all of our sins. None of his own, all of ours. We look at the purpose of his death. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Back in Genesis chapter 15, we read these words. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. If you read chapter 15 of Genesis, you will find that, that God made the covenant by the blood of animals. I don't have time to go into that this morning. The, the, we've done that many times, talked about how a covenant was done. But God made a covenant with Abraham and said to Abraham, listen, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. 430 years later, God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt and takes them to the foot of Mount Sinai and there He reestablishes His covenant with them. He tells them what he wants of them. We just did a big long study on that last, this past year. And, but uh, he made a covenant. And in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 8, Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So, there was a sacrificed animal and Moses took the blood that had been gathered and he sprinkled it on the people. And God reestablished His covenant <clears throat> with His people. Centuries go by. 
literally centuries go by. And in that period of time, in those centuries that have gone by, the, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they have, they have worshipped other idols. They have, they, have done, they have angered God. He has brought His judgment on them. He has, they, have, they have turned their back on Him. They have done everything but keep the covenant. As a matter of fact, if you read in Exodus, you will find that literally less than a month after they said, God, we're going to do everything you ask us to do, Moses sprinkles the blood on them, and a month later, they make an idol like a calf out of gold and begin to march around it saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. God reestablishes His covenant with them in Exodus chapter 24. In Jeremiah chapter 31, 700 years before Jesus, God makes this promise. Listen to these words. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make... What? What? A new covenant. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Come on. Come on, say it with me again. Let's read this together. I just want you to read. I want you to hear these words come out of your mouth. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob. I will make a new covenant. Uh, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is my blood in the new covenant for the remission and for the forgiveness of sins. That's what Jesus said. Now imagine... Imagine Jesus is in the upper room, this, this peasant, this carpenter by trade, this itinerant preacher by vocation, and he's sitting in an upper room with his 12 disciples, and he makes the proclamation, this is who the Father was talking about. I'm the one. My death is going to bring all of this into fruition. I am going to establish a new covenant with you and it is going to produce in you forgiveness of sins. Woo! Come on. And that's what He was doing. That's what He was establishing. That's what He was trying to get His disciples to understand. This is what is going to go on tonight. 
This is what is going to happen. I'm telling you this beforehand. My body is going to be broken. My blood is going to be shed. And it is going to be to bring about a new covenant, a new way of relating to my Father. He is going to bring you into covenant with my blood. It will be the last time a sacrifice is ever needed. As a matter of fact, I believe Jesus was trying to replace the old Passover with this new type of Passover ordinance to remember Him from now on. His death was central. Now that's all well and good. That's some heavy stuff. That's some, that's some, that's some, those are some things to rejoice about. Those are some things to be excited about. But listen to this. He was also showing them that the need to appropriate His death personally. Personally. This is a personal thing. I don't mean personally in that you keep it to yourself, but I mean what he was trying to show his disciples was that this is not something that I'm going to do and you're going to get automatically. Listen, look at these words. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And in giving it to his disciples, they had to do what? They had to receive it. They had to receive the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. I will receive it and take it unto myself. Then he took the cup. He gave thanks. And he offered it to them. What did they have to do? They had to receive it. They had to take it. He says, take it and drink it. At another time in Jesus' life, He said something very similar. But it it got different results. But He was preparing them. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The result of that was many of his disciples, not the twelve, but many of the people who had followed him, the people who would have called themselves his disciples, the Bible says they left him because they said that is way too hard a saying. That's, that's, that's way too hard to get a hold of. But yet, that's what, that's what, now, obviously Jesus was not talking about them, everybody walking up and taking a bite out of his arm. Okay? That's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about, you know, cutting his wrist and then, you know, sucking the blood out of his, out of his veins. No, he wasn't talking about that. But what he was saying to them is, my body is broken, is going to be broken for you, and my blood is going to be shed for you, and unless you take that, and appropriate it to your life, to your situation, to your sinfulness, to your your rebellion against me, to your condition of sin that you have been born with, unless you do that, unless you take my, my body that was broken, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, he was by his stripes we are healed. Listen, I want to tell you, it was not for His own, but it was for us. It was all for us. It, everything was for us. It was all for us. Because we were 
in such a bad way. He said, unless you appropriate that to you, to your situation, to your life, to your heart, he said, you don't have eternal life. You don't have eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes these words. He says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Now, there are those, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here, to, I'm not here to, to pass judgment or anything, but there are those who teach that the bread and the, and the, the, the fruit juice or the wine or whatever, uh, that it actually becomes those, those things. It actually becomes the body of Christ and it actually becomes the blood of Christ. <clears throat> My personal opinion is this, there, and then, and then there are the, the rest of Christianity says, well, it's, it's all symbolic. And my, my, my personal opinion is, folks, and, and you're, you're just going to have to love me for this, okay? Just, just hang in there and love me no matter what. I'm going to tell you, I think the truth is closer to the middle. And some people go, oh, that's sacrilege. You're saying that. I'm telling you, I believe that when you take the bread and you drink that juice and you are in by faith you are saying this is the body and the blood of Jesus i believe there are there are appropriations that come with that that are very very real and that there can be there can be something that takes place and i believe i i just i just think that there's a little there's more than symbolism but there i don't i'm not to the point where i agree that you can just, well, I can live like the devil all week long, okay? And then I can go into church and I can, get, I, I can get a piece of bread and it becomes the body of Christ and I can have a little sip of wine or juice and it becomes the blood of Jesus and everything's okay for the next week. Then I can go back out and live like the devil again and then I can come back in and get, get that all taken care of. I think God has so much better a thing for us than that. But by the same token, I think when we, are, when we partake of this as God's people, we are, is this not the cup of thanksgiving in our participation in the blood of Jesus and in the body of Christ? Yes, it is. It is our participation in it. It is our appropriation. And that's why, listen, I believe that's why Paul warns the people. He says to the people, don't do this lightly. Don't do this lightly. Don't look at this and just say, oh, okay, well, we're going to have communion today and, 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 and we're just going to eat a piece of bread and we're going to drink a little bit of, of the fruit of the vine. And, 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 and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a neat ceremony. It is not a neat ceremony. It is the participation in the blood of Jesus and in His death. Finally, finally, we need to look for just a moment at the Passover connection. It is not circumstantial that Jesus died on Passover on the, on the weekend of Passover. As a matter of fact, 
when Jesus was instituting the, the Last Supper, when he was instituting communion, it would have been, he used in, in many ways the words that a, that a Jewish father would have used when he was, um, when, they, when they were doing the Sadar. Okay? This is the bread of affliction which our forefathers ate as they came out of Egypt. Jesus identified Himself with the sacrificial lamb of the Passover. He identified Himself with that. He identified Himself to the point where He was sacrificed on the day of on, on Passover. And just as and this is just a continuation of the idea of us appropriating this personally. Listen, at the original Passover, which you can read about in Exodus 13, what happened? A lamb was slain. It wasn't enough to slay the lamb. Okay? It wasn't enough to slay the lamb. You had to take the lamb's blood and you had to put it on the doorposts of the front door. You had to put it on the doorpost and the lintel. And God said, my angel is going to go over the whole land of Egypt. Imagine the whole land of Egypt. And he says, when he sees the blood, he said, the angel will pass over that that house. The, it was the blood on the doorpost and the lintel that caused the angel to pass over the house. If there was no blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, the firstborn child in that family, the firstborn, died. And, the, and not only of the family of the people, but the family, any of the herd. Any of the animals were also, they were also sacrificed. Now listen, the commandment did not include just killing the lamb and putting the blood on the doorpost, but the, but the command said, you shall also, what? Eat the lamb. You also have to eat the lamb. You also... You're going to take that lamb that was sacrificed, that was that whose blood protected you from the death angel, and you are supposed to eat it. Take it into you. Have it be a part of you. You are consuming that lamb. That lamb saved your life. It saved your family from utter anguish and grief. And you take that lamb and you eat it. You are going to personally appropriate the life of that lamb to yourself. Folks, I, I, do, you, do, you understand, do you understand now why we just... This is not just some... This is a memorial service. This is not a, just some frivolous thing. This is something that we do... Because Jesus said, my death is the most important thing that will ever happen. 
It's the most important thing that will ever happen. It will usher in a new covenant. You will be able to have your sins forgiven. And what I want you to do is I want you to practice this as long as you live and as long, until I come again. And each time you do it, I want you to proclaim. I want you to remember. I want you to think about. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember my body that was broken for you. I want you to remember the blood that was rushing through my veins my whole life is now shed and spilled out onto the ground. And it's being done so that you can have forgiveness of sins. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That becomes all the more meaningful to us when we, when we, when we think about that and when we understand it. So, Here's what I have to say to you today. If you're here today and you know in your heart and, and you will either know, you will know in your heart if you know in your heart that, that Jesus is your Savior, you need to do this. It's not whether you want to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. And if there's, if there's even any equivocating in all of that, what, I'm, what I want to say to you is don't, don't do that lightly. Don't take that and, and make it a, a, a light moment. It is a, it's a heavy moment. It's a moment of, of us saying to, our, saying to God, I, I see what you did for me. I see what it took. And we're going to talk about more about that coming up in, in future weeks. We're going to talk about why. Why? What it took. Why was it this? So, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to do. Okay? And this is something that you're just going to have to do personally and privately. This is a personal and private thing. The, the place of the cross is a place of forgiveness. Remember, he said, I, I have, I, I, this is my blood which will usher in the new covenant which was, is given for the forgiveness of sins. And you say, well, I, you know, I've, I've done some things and okay, I, I, I get it. Me too. Just ask for forgiveness. Don't carry it around anymore. He, 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 he went through all of that so that you wouldn't have to carry it. So don't, so don't carry it. The Bible says, casting all our care upon Him for He cares for us. So just, Lord, at this moment, at this moment where we're commemorating what You did, and what You did was namely to usher in a new covenant and Provide forgiveness of sins. Father, forgive my sins. Forgive me. Forgive me. And then, not lightly, but with a, with a light heart, <laughs> because with, our heart will be lighter when our sins are gone, but with a, but with a solemnness and with, a, with an attitude of immense gratitude, incredible gratitude, come and partake in this.
Father, we come to you today and we ask for your blessing upon this bread. Your word says that Jesus took the bread and blessed it. And so we're going to ask your blessing upon this bread. It represents the broken body of Jesus. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then, Father, we ask your blessing upon the cup. It contains the the fruit of the vine. It represents the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was given to usher in a new covenant and to forgive us of our sins. Father, bless the cup. And may may our time before you, Lord, may it just be a time of in eternal gratitude for the cost it took to redeem us. And we will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. I would, I would like to ask the worship team to come and we're going to allow them to, uh, to take um, the, their bread and their cup with them. They're going to sing for us while while we come, we're not going to, as always, we're, you're just going to, if, if you desire to take communion, you're just going to get up and walk up here and take a piece of the bread and, and uh, a cup and then go back to your seat and, and participate in it and, and uh, however you want to thank the Lord, uh, you, you can do that, okay?
you will bless these ministries abundantly in everything that they do. As they seek your will and they seek your purpose, Lord, that they will that they will experience your blessing as they follow your leading and your direction. I pray for the, the prison ministries, for Hallett Ministries, Lord. I, I pray for the ministry at the, at the Transitional Center. I pray for the ministry of Love Serves in the Dominican Republic and as they're planning for that same ministry here in the United States. I pray for the ministry of the Gideons. I pray for the missionaries, for Chris Garrison, for Todd and Shelley Marks. I pray for the daycare, Father, our daycare here, all of them. May the ministry that they, that they put forth, would, would you bless it in such a way that it will increase, it will touch more lives, it will cause your kingdom to be expanded even greater than it is. All, it can only be done by the power of your spirit, not by any effort of man. So we pray for your leading and your guiding in every, in every way. And we thank you, Father. And now as we leave this place, Lord, may we know that we may be the only Jesus some people ever see. May we represent him well. We are his ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen.